new strata laws for Victoria, sprinkler systems in mid-rise buildings in New South Wales, and electric cars. There's a lot to talk about. This is the Flat Chat Wrap. Hi, I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the Flat Chat column in the Australian Financial Review and edit the Flat Chat website. Hi, and I'm Sue Williams. I'm a journalist, author and property writer. And today we are talking about the proposed new laws in Victoria, which are going to shake things up quite a bit if they get through, that is. So what is the main thrust of these new laws? Oh, there's so many of them. They cover just about every area. Well, it's funny because when you look at the, the proposal and the the proposed act, it's kind of um, like they're having a bet each way. For instance, they're saying that they want to reduce the size of the committee from 12 to 7, right? The strata committee. Yeah. But then you look at the law and it says this committee will be reduced from 12 members to 7 members unless the owner's corporation decides to have a different number. Oh, so what's the Up point to of 12. That? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that seems a bit pointless. It sounds, it look, it has the whiff of bureaucracy about it, where mm. some people who have never been in apartments, never lived in apartments, uh, are going, oh, you know, what if people object to this? Maybe we should let them still do it the way they want to. Um, but obviously they're, they're moving in the, a direction which may be the right direction, sure. <laughs> remains to be seen. And so is, with, with these changes, if they do get through, will Victorian laws be a bit more like New South Wales laws or a bit more like Queensland laws or a bit of everything? Well, it's very much based on New South Wales law. Oh, okay. And in fact, you see in their summary, they'll say uh, this change will be moving towards the New South Wales legislation. So that's a good thing. Oh, yeah. Well, it's going to help for people who've lived in one state and move into another and mm. at the moment find they have very different laws that they have to deal with. Sure. And even like developers, I suppose, they would make it easier for them as well. Well, they're going to have the same kind of restrictions as have recently come in mm. uh, in New South Wales about what they can and can't do and the contracts they can put in place and, you know, their relationships with strata managers or um, I think they're called owners corporation managers in Victoria, but we're going to call them strata managers anyway. Um, and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, where where there have been problems in the past, it's certainly in New South Wales. Right. And I, I think one of the main things with the, with the proposed law changes is that there are different kind of categories of, of buildings on there and different rules apply to different categories of buildings. Yeah, it's, it's weird. In, in New South Wales, you've basically got buildings over 100 units, buildings under 100 units, but with more than two units and then two unit blocks, which are the strata nightmare scenario. They have their own special rules. In Victoria, they've gone, or they're planning to go for buildings of 50 units or more, buildings of more than nine, but less than 50, and then two and two, nine, and then, then two unit buildings. And that's our printer rumbling in the background. Um, <laughs> somebody's printing something. And it's not me. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of weird, isn't it? Because if you've got the top tier, being more than 
51 lots. Yeah, 51, yeah. 51, really, in New South Wales is kind of a moderate-sized block, and you've got buildings, complexes with, you know, 300-plus apartment buildings. Yeah. Apartment lots. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I I think there's one coming on stream in uh, southern Sydney with 700 units in in the whole complex. On one strata plan? Oh, it would have to be different. You yeah, would think. it would have to be a be, thing. Yeah, yeah, community plans and things like that. But anyway, you know, there's some very, very big buildings and some very, very big buildings in Victoria as well. But it's weird because there is, I'm sure I've read somewhere that there's a, a law coming in that the buildings of over 100 units have to have a strata manager. Oh, okay. But that's a different category again, isn't it? Yeah. It's not over 50, it's over 100. That's weird. Maybe different... Different people kind of worked on different laws and they never actually got together at the end. Do you think? They didn't have an Excel spreadsheet. (laughs) (laughs) It's possible. Mm. But there's other things. Um, They're they're mentioning the possibility of bylaws to control smoke drift, you know, so that you have people smoking on their balconies and their smoke goes into another apartment. Oh, yeah. They haven't had that before. Mm. Um, They specifically said you can have these bylaws. Their fines are going up massively. The largest basic fine, um, and this is for fines for other things other than overcrowding in New South Wales, is $220. That's mm. your, your maximum fine for a breach of bylaws. Wow, that's not much, is it? When you think in overcrowding, vi- you could be earning... Well, and if overcrowding is different. That goes up oh. to about 10000 oh, for a second right breach okay. in the same apartment. But um, the basic breach by law is is two hundred and twenty dollars. Well, in Victoria, it's going to be one thousand one hundred as the maximum. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. So they're getting serious about breaches there. Actually, maybe that's not such a bad thing, really. Well, it gets your attention, doesn't it? Yeah, maybe it acts as a, a, you a know, deterrent. Puts people off. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, and and all these different laws coming in. One of the interesting things is, like, currently in Victoria, if you want to take legal action for anything, you've got to get a special resolution, which requires seventy-five percent vote. Mm. And and I think in Victoria, it's a 75% vote of all owners, not just the owners at a meeting. It's got to be, Ooh. yeah, it's, it's almost impossible. Right. Which is why there's much less uh, strata litigation in Victoria than there is in New South Wales, because it's so much harder to pass that threshold. Well, now they're saying, okay, if you want to go to the Supreme Court, you've still got to get a special resolution. But if you want to go to a district court, it's just a simple majority. Of the people at the meeting? Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, so, uh, you know, that's that's made it easier for people to deal with small issues that require a legal decision. They can move ahead with that much more quickly, which I think is a good thing, you would, you would have to think. Absolutely. The other things are you can start charging people for the costs to the owner's corporation that are brought about by the way individuals use their units. Like Like holiday letting. Holiday letting, you would have to think. If you can prove that there's more wear and tear caused by the people in, you know, such and such a flat letting out their place for holidays, Mm. or even if your concierge is spending a lot of time dealing with things uh, related to that, 
then theoretically you'd be able to charge the owner, which is fair, you know. The, the, yeah, the, it's kind of an interesting way of going about it, though, isn't it? Well, it's user pays, you know. We live yeah. in the, the time of user pays. I mean, the big com- one of the big complaints about holiday letting, uh, Airbnb-style stuff, is the hosts, as they call them, are taking advantage of the common property, you know, your swimming pool, the fact that, you know, you, the place is nice and clean and tidy and they're taking advantage of all that and making a profit out of it and none of the money that they're making out of that is going back into the community. Mm. And so they're, you know, they're basically ripping off the neighbours. Mm. And this is one way that if the neighbours so decide, they can say, well, you're using up our facilities, you've got to pay for it. Well, that sounds very fair. It really does, fair. and I think it would put a lot of uh, people off doing holiday rentals if they realised they were actually going to. It wasn't just money straight into their pocket. You know, they don't pay tax a lot of the time. They they uh, they pay their rent, they pay their rates. But if somebody came along and said, "Well, you're using the lifts are more or more often the swimming pool," you like got to pay. Like franking credits. <laughs> no, it's nothing like franking credits. It's it's the least like franking I've got election credits. Election fever. Yeah, yeah, I think you must have. Okay, but it's kind of interesting that the um, there's a bit of a crackdown on dodgy strata managers proposed. Yeah, you got a criminal conviction, you can forget about being a strata manager. Mm. There, look, the strata management system in Victoria is very different from New South Wales and Queensland for that matter. It's There are other aspects of the law where they're bringing in compulsory training for strata managers. Which it's a bit of a shock. You think what well, they didn't have this already, <laughs> but apparently they didn't. So they're saying that uh, consumer advice, which is the same as fair trading uh, in Victoria, uh, is, is going to step, you know, they're going to build up some kind of mandatory training program. So at least the strata managers who come come in have have been trained to some level and apparently do not have criminal convictions. Hmm. So yeah. it's very exciting. But early days, early days in Victoria. And when does this go to the Parliament? Well, the public consultation period is finishing up next week on May the 10th. And the person I spoke to from uh, Consumer Affairs said they have no idea when it will go to Parliament. Right. And then if they don't know when it's actually going to be listed and debated, then they'll have zero idea when it's going to become law. I would say, judging by the New South Wales experience, you're looking at about two years from now. Wow. Shortest possible time would be one year. Moves slowly, doesn't it? Oh, ponderously. Mm. Ponderously. Which, funnily enough, brings us to our next topic. After this break, we'll be talking about sprinklers. Hello, we're back. And uh, we are talking about the new regulations that just come in in New South Wales that any new apartment block over three storeys high has to have fire sprinklers installed. That is amazing, isn't it? I mean, I just think it's amazing that they never used to have to have fire sprinklers yep. um, installed, but it's amazing that it has taken so long after that. The fire the, in yeah, Bankstown. Bankstown. Do you know yeah. how long, can you want to take a guess at how long ago that was? A year and a half. Bankstown fire? Mm. Seven years. No. 2012. <gasps> seven years, nearly seven years. And that it's poor taken, girl lost her life. And the other yeah. girl was in a wheelchair. Yeah. 
<gasps> seven um, years. It's taken seven years to get fire sprinklers. Yep. Oh, my God. That's shameful, isn't it? Isn't it? Because the regulation used to be any building under 80 metres right. didn't need to have fire sprinklers. And apparently, allegedly, the whoever it was designed the building was was told keep it under. Right. So it was like to literally ten centimeters under the eighty meters, so they wouldn't have to put fire sprinklers in. Just just disgusting. Mm. But now, you know, we had. Um, I mean, politicians like a good fire. They uh, they had a bit of a blaze the other day. They they showed a a, a room going up without sprinklers and then the same room with the same furniture with, with, sprinklers. with sprinklers and how it doused the, the wow. flames. Yeah. But how comes it's taken seven years? Because um, every time you say to developers, you're going to have to put more money into the buildings, they go, oh, we'll never be able to afford to build it and, you know, there'll be no, and it'll destroy the building industry. And it takes that long for the regulations to, to be approved by the developers to the point where they'll go, okay, we'll do it. Right. Now, what I heard on the radio the other day was that because all of these buildings will now have sprinklers, there are other fire safety issues that they don't have to address and that's going to save them money so they're talking about zero cost wow so they could have done it seven years ago really yeah i mean when you think of the how quickly they've got on top of the flammable cladding thing Mm. you know which because of a fire in london uh, yet there was a fire here in sydney and it's taken six and a half seven years to actually get stuff done it's great that they're doing it Mm. Yeah. One of the things I heard on the radio the other day was about one of the problems with modern houses is the furniture is made from basically plastics and petrochemical stuff. Oh, gosh. I said, you know, you've got to think when you're sitting on your sofa watching Netflix, you're sitting on a barrel of petrol. Wow. So it's flammable cladding inside the apartment. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, the sprinklers are good. Mm. But what about all the buildings that don't have sprinklers? Do they have to retrospectively fit no, them? No, they don't. This is this law is for new buildings only. <gasps> oh, so it's going to take another fire probably in another seven years before yep. they're forced to, to add yep. those in. But, you know, there were a lot of buildings that were, you know, that had their fire ordinances looked at and had to install sprinklers. I suppose they were, they were taller older buildings. Older, taller older. buildings as well. Yeah. Well, I don't know about taller, but there's certainly, you know, your three-story walk-ups in places like Bondi Beach. Mm. I mean, people lived in fear, more of, they were more afraid of the council coming around than the place going up in flames. <laughs> mm. but, but that was the thing. Somebody would put in a, an application uh, for a DA for something that they wanted to change in the building. The council would come, uh, come around and go, oh, this place is 70% timber mm. and you don't have fire sprinklers. And suddenly they're looking at, tens of thousands of dollars to to put in a sprinkler system right yeah there's a lot of old buildings out there that don't have sprinklers probably more the recent mid-rise buildings you know the five or six story buildings that are 20 years old that never had sprinklers installed and probably maybe never will until there's another fire right because i guess in the old days people would say well just make sure you have a fire extinguisher to hand. And I remember when <laughs> yeah. we were a kid getting a fire extinguisher, and it was really exciting. Yeah. But most fires, I think, occur at night, don't they? When yeah. people aren't really paying much attention to yeah. what's happening. Yeah. 
or they might happen next door and the fire spreads from next door to you and it's kind of by then it's perhaps too late to think now where did we put that fire extinguisher which bottom drawer was it (laughs) oh you know there's so many things i mean i was talking to somebody the other day they were saying that they uh, they wanted to get the doors fixed in their building and uh, or somebody wanted to change the door in the building and they the front door apartment front door and they said well you've got to put in a fire resistant door because that's mm. that's in the regulations and they said but none of the doors in this building are fire resistant now they were supposed to be mm. and it said in this in the the specifications that they would be but when the building was built the builder never put the fire resistant doors oh in oh my god so it was only when somebody wanted to change the doors that they started checking all the other doors in the building and discovered none of them were fire resistant wow no, this is just playing with people's lives, you know. It's yeah. like hoping that nothing happens. Like the Bankstown fire where the landlord of the apartment was allowed to build another room inside the apartment, subdividing mm. internally. The room had a door, had a, a lock on it. And when those two girls were trying to escape from the fire, they could have gone to a room with a balcony except the door was locked. There should never sure. have been a door there in the first place. Yeah. yeah. Shocking. No, horrible. Well, it's good that there's some positive action on that anyway. Some positive action, not enough, but some. Yeah. And there was a fire the other day. I'm looking for a segue here. There was a fire the other day in a house that was caused by an electric bicycle charging and the battery went on fire and the house burned down. Really? Yes. Which takes us to, after this break, we'll be talking about electric cars. Hello, we're back, and uh, we're going to talk about electric cars. What do you think, Sue? Do you think we should have electric cars? Would you have one? Would you buy one? I would. They're pretty expensive at the moment, but when they come down in price a little bit, I certainly would, would, yeah. I guess one always worries about being able to charge them. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the things that I'm discussing in this week's column in the Financial Review is that we really shouldn't be looking at putting charging stations into apartment blocks because that's what everybody thinks you know mm. oh electric cars it's going to mean we're going to have charging stations and they're going to have to be a charging station on every corner um you know because of all these people because it takes 10 or 15 minutes to charge up a car battery fully but one of our correspondents to the website has pointed out that it's much easier and cheaper if you just charge your car overnight so okay, you, so you have a separate charger in your car space. Every electric car comes with a, a trickle charger. You plug into a normal 15 amp socket and it will charge up 50 kilometers worth of battery power every four hours. So, mm. you know, if you're mm. just driving your car around town, as we do, mm. um, you know, you've got plenty. You just, but you just remember at night you park the car, you plug in the charger, it's always fully charged. And if you're doing it overnight, of course, you're getting um, off peak electricity. So it's the cheapest electricity you could possibly get. Well, that sounds very sensible. Is it easy to put an electric socket into every car space though? Or? Well, a lot of modern buildings will have electricity running between every two or three car spaces for well, people to use for their vacuums or for the cleaners to use for their equipment. Mm. Older buildings are different, but 
It's just a matter of, on a very basic level, you run a cable back to the, the, the meter, and then when it gets to the car space, if it's common property electricity, you put a little meter on it, maybe with a code or a, or a padlock or whatever, so that only the people who are in that car space can use that for charging their car. Mm, so user pays again. User pays, mm, but mm. you know, you pay a lot less than you'd be paying at the petrol pump. Sure. No. And the and the downside of having the charging stations is you know, what if they go wrong? If you've got one or two charging stations in your building and there's a fault, then you know the cars half the cars in the building can't go anywhere. Mm. Or as we know from the experience of living in Strata for many years, you get some person who either just parks in the charging bay or puts the car in the charging bay and then goes away for you know four or five hours <laughs> yeah i'm sure that would happen yeah but the the upside is so positive you know that you just have the have the supply in your own car space you plug mm. it in at night and while you're sleeping at very little cost your car is charged up for the next day's driving mm. and if you forget like i often forget to charge up my mobile phone overnight well it's my fault and after a couple of days of not being able to use a car because I've got a flat battery, then I would very soon learn, wouldn't I, to plug in overnight. You'd be buying a car with petrol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think. <laughs> Maybe. No. That sounds a really good solution. Yeah, I think it, it makes sense. I mean, it's it's looking at the technology the way it should be seen. It's saying, well, what does the technology offer us? What can, how can we use it? What's the best way to use it? What's the most economical way to use it? Mm. And at night, you know, you can't just switch a power station off at night when people stop using the power. There's all this electricity out there just buzzing around, not going anywhere. Well, mm. get it into your car. Okay. That would be the answer. And so you're writing about this on in the Fin Review on Saturday. In yes. Holland. Okay, I'll look forward to seeing that. Right. And if Thank it you. generates any discussion on your website, flatchat.com. Dot au. Flat au. That would be a, a good thing. Um, right, when we come back after the break, Sue and I will be talking about things that have caught our attention in the world of Strata in the past week or so. And we're back. So, what's caught your attention? Well, a friend of mine, a strata manager, was saying the other day he went to the AGM of a new building and he was really surprised that one of the owners wanted to bring in their greyhound. And he was saying, how on earth can you have a greyhound in an apartment? Surely it would just run around all the time and be really frustrated. Yeah. And then he was really surprised that the, the owner was very, very well prepared and had brought her greyhound's kind of CV and right. <laughs> a little bio about the greyhound. And apparently greyhounds are some of the best apartment dogs you can ever have because they're very lazy. They just lie around during the day. I mean, if you take them out and, and let them run off the leash in a park, they'll just run off into the horizon unless they're very well trained and they'll come back again right um but yeah they're they're really good apartment dogs and he was surprised and yeah i was too and it's interesting around sydney you see a lot of people looking after you know rescued greyhounds yeah yeah and um so yeah apartments aren't any barrier whatsoever i was thinking about that the other day the whole greyhound rescue thing happened because they were going to close down greyhound racing Mm. And then they didn't. But there's still all those greyhounds that when they've finished their racing days, yeah. 
what what happens to them yeah, and now true. they get adopted to really caring people and kind of enjoy their latter years in peace and comfort maybe really. they'll put a greyhound racing track up on top of the roofs of some of these buildings <laughs> that would be funny wouldn't yeah. it yeah <laughs> but you could use the greyhounds to generate electricity just by running oh it now. my goodness right what what have you what's caught your fancy this week i don't know if you'd say it was caught caught my fancy i was just suddenly aware again of the new laws in victoria about smoke drift and um I remember when those laws were being suggested here in uh, New South Wales, there was the, these horror stories that um, because you, there would be a ban on smoke drift, then there would be a ban on barbecues. I remember the Daily Telegraph ran a story, you know, with a picture of sizzling sausages saying your balcony barbecue is going to be banned um, under the new laws. And I remember I looked at the laws and it said specifically drift from smoking cigarettes mm, yeah. and i called up the the legal department whoever it was i don't know if it was fair trading or the attorney general i think it was the attorney general's office and i said this law has got nothing to do with barbecues said, oh yeah, yeah 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 it has it has I said, no it doesn't it doesn't say barbecues it says smoke from smoking they said well it could be smoking barbecues i said yeah but it isn't <laughs> is it no it is it definitely is and of course it isn't okay. you know you're barbecues and this time of year i think it's the last gasp of summer last gasp being the appropriate word and everybody's they're having their last barbie or they think this is the last barbie they can have before the the weather gets too cold of course they haven't cleaned the bloody things for several months so it's you don't want to be caught in that smoke drift sue no i mean it's probably as bad for you as actually eating sausages I have heard that it's even worse. Mm. Even in Texas, they issued a warning last year, and Texans love barbecues even more than we do in Australia. They issued a warning last year, don't stand in the smoke from the barbecue for too long, because wow. it's full of carcinogens, because yeah. meat, burning meat causes uh, cancer-producing... Um, Gremlins. <laughs> cancer-producing <laughs> carcinogens which are cancer-producing things. And, and so you've got that in the smoke, so you're breathing mm. that in. And if you're yeah. standing in your barbecue smoke for an hour, mm. um, it can't be good for you. Yeah. And then you've got to eat the meat, and it's not good for you. Yeah. So the whole bloody thing's bad for you. So it would be much better to actually not have barbecues on a park. I think they should have sprinklers room. above every barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as the smoke starts, the sprinkler comes right. on and puts it out. It would make me very happy. But it would be very un-Australian, wouldn't it, really? Oh, I'm probably I'll get thrown out of the country just for suggesting that. <laughs> it's a Lucky you thing. only did it in jest, Jimmy. Yes. Ha ha, I love my barbecues. Yum, yum. Sizzle, sizzle. That's all we've got time for this week. Uh, thank you, Sue, for coming along again. Pleasure, Jimmy. And always good fun to talk to you about things in Strata. We'll be back again next week. Please subscribe on whichever system you get this podcast on. It just helps to know that we've got regular listeners. And uh, if you've got any other questions about living in Strata, go to flat-chat.com.au. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.